It would do no good to pretend that I wasn't, that I'm not afraid of Nolan Packett. I am afraid of him. He knows that. Might have even known it that first time we met, even though I didn't. I knew something felt funny about the whole thing. <laughs> wow, listen to me. Super sleuth Vera. Something felt funny, she says, after staring into the face of a man who was supposed to be dead, or so said her Aunt Mabel, who hadn't existed for 21 years. Anyway, at that moment, I figured I was just excited. There he was. I mean, there he was. Sure, there was also an undercurrent of, there he was. But mostly it was just, there he was. I didn't know what to do. You being ever practical and one step removed from the whole letter from a new relative thing were faster to react. There he is, you said. I looked back over to you because I felt way more comfortable looking at you than at him. You met my eyes and smiled. I felt okay to look at him again. He smiled too, and it made my stomach flutter in a completely different way. Excited, I thought, to finally meet him. I tried to express this, but I am not so eloquent. Um, I said. Nolan nodded his understanding of what I'd meant. He didn't look dead. He didn't even look almost dead. Older than middle-aged, maybe, but not by much. He certainly didn't seem to warrant a funeral visit. I think I ended up saying something like, You're not dead, which made both of you laugh. No, he said, no, but I suppose I ought to be by now. He looked at his watch. I thought that was really funny, like, did he expect his watch to display his time of death? But it was weird enough of a statement and an action that I didn't laugh out loud. Nolan, I said, finally able to say normal human words like a functioning person. My name is Vera Le Fay, and I think you know my mother. Or maybe you don't, but you do know my aunt. Her name is Mabel? A strange look overtook his face, which I took at the time to be intrigue. It was probably annoyance, in truth. Le Fay, he muttered, like a curse. I had always liked my last name, but the way he said it sounded like spit that wasn't worthy of hitting the ground. He waved his hand, and the world around us went dim. I was still there, in the prep center, with the worn copies of Prairie Owl Night scattered around me. You were still behind the counter, your eyes locked on me, but you looked dimmer too, and after a few seconds, I realized you weren't blinking or breathing or moving. The only bright, living thing beside me was Nolan. What, what did you... I started. He held up a finger. 
Let's not waste time, he said, his annoyance now apparent. I felt dizzy and wrong, like time was going around me instead of affecting me, and my body yearned for the lost seconds. Nolan's form started glitching, hazing around his outline and blinking away and back every now and then. He seemed used to it. His body somehow seemed more natural that way. How did you know to look for me? He demanded. My throat felt tight as I answered. Huh? Oh, uh, I got a letter about you. From Mabel? Nolan scowled, and the hazing heightened with his anger. He clenched his fist and gnashed his teeth and glared at me. I stared back. How much do you know about who you are? He asked, much more calm than he appeared. I shook my head. I... I don't really know anything. I know my name. I know that I'm 20, and that I have no middle name. I know that my father's name is Simon, and my mother's name is Lucinda. He growled. Like, actually growled. Which I didn't think people could do. Vera, the seventh generation. You know more than you're telling me. Where does she keep it? Well, Amy, that was just a string of words I had no way of processing. Seventh generation, I repeated. That, apparently, was not the answer he was looking for. The feeling in my stomach was not pretending to be excitement anymore. It was fear, plain and simple. Nolan grabbed my shoulders. His fingers landed on my arms like wasps lining themselves up against my skin, but choosing not to sting just yet. Where does she keep it? The vial. I shuddered against his wasp fingers. I don't know. What vial? What are you talking about? I said. Nolan tightened his grip on me, like he could shatter the answers he wanted out of my bones. He blinked out of existence and then back. He loosened his grip. The world around us got lighter again. Time flowed against me and carried me with it. Nolan smiled at me. Good day, ladies, Nolan said. He left the building. I felt like I shouldn't be standing anymore. I fainted instead. When I opened my eyes again, I was propped up against the side of the counter. You were there, holding out some water for me to drink. I did, and some of it missed my mouth because my hands were too shaky to properly hold the cup. It's no wonder you fell for me with smooth moves like that. You helped me up and into one of the chairs of the waiting room, the one with the tear in its back. You waited a polite amount of time before asking what had happened. I didn't know how to answer that at all, but I figured, go big or go home, what's the worst that could happen? I'd be banned from the pet cemetery? So I told you everything, the letter, the hospital, the morgue, and the conversation outside of the space-time continuum.
When I stopped talking after what felt like a billion words, you didn't say anything. You looked at me very carefully like you were deciding something important. And then you smiled the biggest smile and you said, all in one breath, I have a whole bunch of animals in the back that I brought back from the dead. <laughs> it made sense in the moment, somehow, for you to say that to me. There we were, strangers, meeting in a pet cemetery of all places, confessing to the weirdest things about ourselves and laughing with each other about it. It felt really good to laugh after the whole meeting with Nolan. It felt good to have something to focus on outside of him. Can I meet them? I asked. You walked me to the back and pushed open the door by its employees only sign. We walked through and there was Puddles, who used to be a black lab. He was just a silhouette now, just a shadow, like I am today. He made no noise. Neither did the shadows of Gary the parrot or Lasagna the cat, who I met next. I asked you about it and you said, a little embarrassed, that you hadn't figured out how to bring them back fully. You could do shadows just fine, but no corporeal forms and no voices. I asked if you ever tried to bring back a human. You said no, duh, this was a pet cemetery. So all the bodies you had were animals and you were not into grave robbing. I pet puddles and I apologized, assuring you that I did not think you looked like the grave robbing type. If I try to pet puddles now, my hand just goes through them. Shadows can't touch, we just overlap. It feels very, very cold to pass through something else here. He doesn't trust me in this form anyway. Suddenly, I felt very tired. I don't know how long I'd been passed out, but when you walked me to the door with the bell again, it was dark outside, and the last of the buses were making their rounds. I thanked you for everything, finally remembering to ask you for your name. You pointed up to your name tag while you answered. Yeah, super smooth, I am not. I got on the bus and stared out the window the whole ride home, thinking through the absolutely crazy day I'd just lived. When I got home, Mother was, as always, at the kitchen table, with her back to me. I told her I was home. She did not answer. That was normal, and comforting. I went up the stairs to my room. My pillow had an envelope on it. It was addressed to me. I tore it open before giving myself time to think through how it had gotten there. Vera, it said. It isn't right of me to talk to you. Sorry. Come to the chapel on South Street tomorrow, around noon, so we can talk some more. It was signed, Your Aunt, Mabel Lefay. <laughs> 